Blog Talk Radio.
I am Jehovah, the mighty God. Well, good evening, and welcome to Miracle Internet Church. I'm Pastor Sabrina, and I'm happy that you're here with us in the name of the Lord. The Bible says that where two or three of us are gathered together in his name, there he is in our midst. Amen? So we want to thank the Lord for the opportunity to come up on the air to bless his holy name, to fellowship with the saints around the word of God, and to receive of his spirit. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a song that says there's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Well, there is. But how many of us are availing ourselves to that very power? How many of us, amen, how many of us are availing ourselves to the power that's in the blood of Jesus, amen, amen. So if you're having a problem with the sound, try dialing in again if that's what you're doing, amen, amen. So we ask the Lord. To help us. Amen? We ask the Lord to help us. When we find ourselves in an area where we don't feel like we're equipped to do what the word says to do, we call the Lord. Amen? We will call on the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and he's here to help us. He's here to help us. Amen. Amen. He's here to help us. We have a lot of decisions to make in life, a lot of choices, a lot of opportunities to please the Lord, and just as many opportunities to fail him. So, We thank the Lord for what he's been doing. Amen? We thank the Lord for what he has been doing. Amen? And we thank him that the Holy Spirit is right here in us and with us to help us make these choices and decisions that seem sometimes puzzling, sometimes overwhelming to us. Amen? But we're not alone. We're not alone. Are not alone. I know that young people often think that they can't make certain decisions. And maybe they can't. Maybe they can't. But you see, as a believer, you have the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's here. The Holy Spirit is here. 
The Lord Jesus is here to help you make decisions. I went to a legal situation. I went to uh, jury duty, and they were trying to select the jury. And there was one young lady who said that she would be very uncomfortable trying to make the decision that the judge was going uh, to ask her to make. She was going to be very, very uncomfortable with that. But she was very young. It meant she didn't have experience making difficult choices and decisions. And so she asked, not to be chosen because she she was, what if she made a mistake? Well, you see, those of us who have lived a little bit longer and made a few more decisions, we already know that you're going to make mistakes. It's part of the human condition. You're going to make mistakes. It's part of the human condition. That's part of being human. However, you keep going to the Lord. You keep asking for the Holy Spirit. You keep asking for the Lord to intervene, and you do better. You get better and better and better at it. It's a, it's a growing process, and it never stops. Amen? When you start out, you have all kinds of different ideas in your head or no idea at all. And you ask all kinds of people. Many of them don't know a thing. And from that pool of ignorance, you try to pull in an answer. But that won't work. But if you are a Christian, you have access to the mind of Christ. Why do I have access? Because you belong to God. You are his child. You have received the spirit of adoption. You're a part of his family. You have access to what God really wants. You shouldn't have the same level of difficulty and uncertainty that the world has. You should have more confidence not necessarily in yourself, but in the Lord. You should have more confidence that the Lord can lead you no matter how backwards you are. Amen? He got you here, didn't he? Well, then, you're better now than you were before, aren't you? Well, if he could get you here, if he could get you past all the hurdles to get you saved and to get you here and to get your attention here and to get you to hear from him what he wants you to hear, to get to convince you to do what he wants you to do, to receive his training, then you ought to have confidence that he can lead you to the right decision. 
It may not be the five-minute answer that you want. Most likely, it will not be the microwavable answer. You know, hit a button and you got it. But if he could get you this far, he most certainly can take you the rest of the way. He can lead you one step at a time, one choice at a time, one decision at a time. Amen? If he got you here and got your attention here, and he's changed you here, certainly he can give you all the other answers that you need, and he can lead you every step of the way. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. He can lead you every step of the way. You might not like where he's taking you, but that doesn't mean God is wrong. It means you need to change your opinion because when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life is the one that's the pilot. You are not a co-pilot. You are a passenger, and that's the way it is. He's the pilot, the co-pilot, the plane, the landing gear, the wings, the engine, all of it. You're just a passenger. You're not allowed to, to to drive the plane. Because you tried doing that before. And uh some of you crashed and some of you had near misses. Amen. Amen. Some of you had near misses. And some of you had outright crashes, and some of you crashed and burned. So we're going to learn to trust the Lord to lead us as he chooses to lead us through the situations of life, not necessarily the way we want it to go. We're going to learn to trust the Lord to take us from one step to the next step, because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So we're going to learn to do that. Amen? We're going to learn to take one step at a time, because that's about all we can do anyway, and we're going to trust the Lord each step of the way. No matter how difficult it appears to be, how painful it might become, No matter how much we don't think we want it, we're going to learn to trust the Lord in spite of ourselves. Amen? Amen. That's right. We're going to learn to trust the Lord no matter what. We're going to learn to stop looking at what appears to be frightening to us. And to remember all the times that the Lord has brought you through already and know that he will bring you through yet again. Amen? We're going to learn to do that. 
we're going to learn to stop shaking in our shoes. Amen? Amen. That should have been a hearty amen from everybody. We're going to learn that. So I hope you came with your learning attitude, and I hope you're ready to learn because the Holy Spirit is here to teach. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that your love for us never ends. We thank you that your grace to us is sufficient for every situation and every occasion. We want to thank you, Lord, that you have more grace than we have needs and that whatever the occasion may be, whatever the situation or the circumstance may be, you have grace sufficient for that issue. You gave it to us before the foundation of the world. And so it's already here for us to access, call upon your holy name. So, Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for touching our hearts and our lives. We thank you for leading us each step of the way on our journey with you into the heavenly places. Amen? Our journey with you all through our tenure here on the planet Earth, our journey with you into eternal salvation. Amen? We thank you for the journey. It's a journey, and you will never regret having embarked on it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome all of you who are new in Jesus' name. And we invite you, if you have not already done so, to join us in our chat room. Our chat room is located on our webpage. And our webpage is www.miracleinternetchurch.com. That's Miracle Internet church.com when the page comes up let's see what do I use oh when the page comes up click MIC radio chat that's on the banner if you're on a computer and probably if you're on a tablet click MIC radio chat when the page changes click guest When the page changes, sign in using your name. Amen? Sign in using your name. And when the page changes again, greet everyone that's already in the chat. You know, when you walk into a building, you greet people when you come into the room. And the saints will respond to you. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we want to thank the Lord for bringing you on board to fellowship with us tonight. If you happen to be on a cell phone, you may access the website through your browser at miracleinternetchurch.com. 
When the page comes up, across the banner is three white lines. Click the three white lines. It opens up all the other links to you. Amen? And you go to MIC Radio Chat. You sign in, just like I've just described, and you say hi to everybody, and everyone will say hi to you. Amen? Amen. So we thank the Lord for the opportunity to minister the gospel to you. And we pray that you learn something tonight. That when you when you disconnect or when you hang up or at the end of the broadcast, however that works, that you will have learned something about the Lord and that there will be an improvement in your relationship to him. Amen? And your relationship with him. Praise the Lord. So, uh, we're going to enter into prayer. But before I get there, um, I want to pray for the survivors of the most recent hurricane. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, We know that that hurricane was manufactured in Jesus' name. The president's comment confirmed it. We want to thank you for him opening his mouth once again, telling us what we need to know. Amen. Now, Lord, we lift up to you the family members and the loved ones, Uh, Even the pets that survived of those who lost their lives. There were four in North Carolina, and there were some, uh, over 100, in Florida. Father, we thank you for their lives, and we pray that they made it home to be with you. But for those that remain, here on earth They will miss them Some of them don't even know that their loved ones Are gone yet And so we ask Father That you comfort them That you release your mercy Your grace and your peace to them And help them Lord to come to grips With what has happened Help them with the pain Help them with the sorrow Help them with the grief In the name of Jesus Christ Help them, Lord, to understand that you still love them and care. Some of them will be grieved because they didn't get to say goodbye to their loved ones. Some of them, they hadn't heard from their loved ones in a long time. And now they'll never have an opportunity to talk to them again. So, Lord, help them with the sorrow and the anguish of the separation in Jesus' name. We ask that you them as you see fit to do. Many of them won't be able to sleep because of the sorrow and the anguish and the grief. We ask you to comfort them and give them rest, Lord. Give them rest. Help them with the details and the insurance policies, and all of the business 
that comes along with a death and the passing of a loved one. Strengthen them, Lord, and give them the fortitude that they need to go through this hour. Help them to stay together, Lord. Hold them together because there, some of them are going to feel like they're falling apart. But we ask you to hold them together by your grace and to walk them through this horrific experience, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We know that you will answer this prayer. We know that you will do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And we entrust those persons into your care, Father. We entrust those persons into your care. Continually strengthen and restore all that are working to bring normalcy back to the state. We ask you, Lord, to expedite those waters receding in Jesus' name. We ask you, Father, to give the governor the wisdom that he needs and the strength and the fortitude, and the grace, and the power that he needs to do his job, and also to all that are supporting his efforts in Jesus' name. We ask, Father, there's a fund that they have begun to donate toward helping to rebuild in the areas that were destroyed, Father. We're asking that you bring a person of means to give into that fund, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, not limiting it to the citizens of the state, but people from around the world to donate, Father. We thank you for the help. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for releasing your angels to bring them to do so and releasing the grace for them to give, Father, from their heart and their wallet. We want to thank you, Father, that there were many areas that were spared a lot of destruction. Amen? There were a lot of areas that were spared a lot of destruction. We want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for hearing the prayers. We want to thank you for stirring the saints. We want to thank you, Lord, for everyone who came together and prayed for the state of Florida and the surrounding states. And we want to thank you for your mercy and for the work of the angels, Father. We give you praise. We thank you for answering our prayers. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the armor of God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the wall of fire that surrounds us with your glory in the midst with your warring linking angels, your praising angels, and your ministering spirit. We thank you for the love of God that's being poured out in our hearts by, from Christ Jesus our Lord. Even for people we don't like, Lord, for people we would rather not be connected to. Amen? You made them. They're here and we'll learn to love them. Thank you for the grace, Father. 
We ask you to forgive all of our sins, our iniquities, and our trespasses, and help us to grow in the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God is faithful, saints. He will help us no matter what the difficulty may be. Amen. No matter what the difficulty may be, he will help us. If you reach out to him and ask for his help, he will surely give it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity. We bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to do just that. We want to thank you for your command to us to do this. We don't have to sit up and just think terrible thoughts and just let them sit there and build a nest in our minds. There's something that we can do about it, and there's something you have commanded us to do, and we will do it. There's something, Lord, that you've commanded us to do with all of our cares. You tell us to humble ourselves before you. And in the humbling, we are to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. So, Lord, we come before you to do just what you said to do. So right now, we cast every care upon you, Lord, all of the cares from all of last week that we're still carrying, all of the cares from this week that we have not cast upon you, all of the cares from today, and those worries that we have already begun for tomorrow. We cast it all upon you, Lord, because it's not ours to to carry. It's not ours to carry. It's yours. And so we will not be thieves. We will surrender it to you. And we will submit to you. And we will do what you've asked us to do. We will humble ourselves and we will cast all of our cares upon you. Thank you for the love that teaches us how much you care for us, Father. In Jesus' name, we receive the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We receive your strength through joy. No matter the circumstances, we count it all joy. Amen. You knew before we were born we were going to come to this day. It was going to look like this, and we had a choice. We could either count it all joy and say hallelujah anyhow, or we could allow the devil to talk us into depression. Amen? We're either going to count it all joy, thank you that you're bringing us this way, even though it may not be what we think we wanted. Amen? You know what's best for us no matter what is happening on the earth. And we're learning, Lord, to trust you in the midst of difficulties. 
in the midst of every difficulty, in the midst of difficulties, we'll get our eyes off the situation and place our eyes on you. Amen? It may not feel good at the moment, but we do not live by our feelings. The just shall live by faith, you have taught us. And in order to be in faith, we will get our eyes off the circumstances and we will place our eyes on you, Lord. Amen? We might be disappointed in the way things are turning out. We had hoped for a different outcome. But you know, Lord, our yesterdays, our today, and our tomorrows are all in your hands anyway. Amen? They're in your hands anyway. So if you allowed us to come this way, you're going to go all this way with us. Sometimes what we ask for, it's all right when we originally asked for it. But you know, Lord, in life, other people and their decisions have a bearing on our situation. Other people and their decisions have a bearing and influence on what happens to us. And because we are yours and you love us so passionately, you're going to take us to the outcome that is best for us. Amen? No one knows the future but you. And you might have been trying to show it to us, but we weren't ready to receive it. We didn't want to accept that because it didn't go along with what we thought in our heads and what we wanted in our hearts. But you know something, Lord? You're never wrong. It's not possible for you to make a mistake. And because you love us, you're going to take us to the thing that's best for us, whether we like it or whether we don't. You know, because... Once we get there and start matriculating in that place that you're taking us to, we'll look back and see that you were right and that we were wrong. Sometimes we are wrong, Lord. In our best efforts, we are still wrong. But you're greater than our wrong. You're greater than our mistakes. You're greater than our misconceptions. You're greater than all of it. So we're going to trust you, Lord. We're going to trust you. And we're going to know that no matter what happens, you did what was the best because you love us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, from our position seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we bind Satan, a strong man, all his evil angels, evil spirits, demonic agents, all of his underlings, timings, maneuvers, tactics, devices, plans, orders, and we cancel all of the demonic assignments and satanic agendas against the righteous in Jesus' name. We take the territory from Satan in Jesus' name. We bind every form of godliness which denies the power of Jesus Christ. We come into agreement with the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and we come out of agreement with Satan, his agents, and his powers. 
We close and seal all portals, channels, open doors of access to the enemy. We pull down all demonic thrones. We bind the wicked principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and all spiritual wickedness in high places. We release the all-consuming fire of God on every ley line, silver cord, and garland. We bind the demons and workers of darkness in the heavenlies, in the bush, and in the deep. We bind rape and murder to its strong men and dethrone them all, chaining them all in eternal chains and darkness, placing them in the custody of the Holy Spirit. We bind the sources of all witchcraft attacks, and we return the attack onto the heads of the devils that bring them to cling to them for eternity. We bind all trafficking, reporting, watchers, listeners, peeps, whisperers, familiar demons, technology demons and all their attacks, electronic and digital demons, Leviathan spirits and their attacks, all brainwashing and kundalini spirits and their attacks, all water and marine devils and their attacks, all unclean spirits and their attacks, passive devils, their attacks, pain-afflicting spirits, sleep deprivation spirits, artificial intelligence, smart dust and drone spirits, all sorcery devils and their attacks, seducing, womanizing attacks. We bind in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind all whoredom spirits and their attacks, and the voices, all the voices of the stranger, the charmer and the seducer and their attacks in Jesus' name, all hypnotic and trance devils and their attacks in Jesus' name, all targeted radio frequency, all pulse weapons and their attacks, microwave attacks, debilitating sonic frequencies attacks, the work of every druid. Uh, the Havana syndrome, brain changes, injury, all remote viewings, all artificial intelligence, all pain-afflicting spirits, all electromagnetic attacks, smart technology attacks, techno-paganism, and mind control by the occult. We bind all cyber-stalking, all force feedback, all pornography, demonic curiosity, bewitching spirits which manipulate modern technology. Pulse microwave radiation attacks designed to cause neurological problems and brain injuries, debilitating headaches, vertigo, binding directed energy microwave weapons, and binding all our vibrations, which are demons, in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind all 5G and its components, everything coming off the satellites, the cell towers, and through our devices, in the name of Jesus. We close all those portals, in the name of Jesus. We overturn and empty all cauldrons and chalices upon the heads of the conjurers and the magicians. We bind all mystic rituals and their intent. We bind all hypnotic and trance devils. Amen. And we bind every order of magic and mystic arts. We bind Buddhist, black magic, Santeria, Kabbalah, Egyptian, Chaldean, Hindu, Indian, African, European, North American, South American, Greenland, Arctic, Antarctic, Asian, Indonesian, Chinese, Russian, Baltic, Islander, Tribal, Indigenous Roots, 
Rena de Dios, Sundere Brisa, Tara Brisa, De Setara Bruca, Remote Group, Ergise, Chandal Mongundo, Rukunda, Sharikita de Dios, Sundere de Asotoroba, Indonesian, Roca de Brisa, Rana de Dios, Sundere Brica, De Celerio, Japanese, and Rugohore, Rakata de Brisa de Redionda, Rakisa de Shurugohore de Rianda, Rekisata, Korean, and Regise Beche, Yarrakola de Dios Sundara Brakate de Berisha de Taiwanese, Roka Vietnamese, Arrokohore Kisadara, Rekate de Dios Sundaridia, even in Afghanistan, Roka Pakistan, Roka de Radio Sota, Runga de Rebarisa de Rabarike de Dios Sundaridia Kisha, Mamma Brocoto, Rula de Gishita de Brusa de Kusha de Rabarosa de Rea, Rekate de Berisha de Rabarika, Malaysian, Arrula de Dios Suturobri. All the witchcraft. Caribbean, Latin American, North American, South American, everywhere on the globe, underneath the sea, and in the airwaves. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ and all the black and white magic. And every form of magic in Jesus' name. We bind every order of magic and mystic arts. We bind all Morgellons attacks and return every attack to the senders. We bind the culture of corruption worldwide. We bind all free-flying devils. We bind all evil spirits which take animal form, shape-shifting spirits. We bind each demon responsible for the dominion of sin in our culture. We bind impulsivity, inattention, racing mind, and hyperactivity. We bind the prince of the power of the air, and we return his powers to Jesus Christ. We bind the power of the dog and every abomination that's been committed. We bind the Lord of the flies and his agents, and we place them under the feet of the Lord Jesus. We bind the Mandela effect, all satanic ritual abuse, devils, satanic worship, and witchcraft dedication. We bind all formations of bull flies and demonic insects. We bind all spiders and their webs. Trapping them in their own webs, we bind the transference of evil spirits, spirits of infirmity, supplanting the gods of the people of the land, the gods of the groves, and every spirit that exalts logic, human reasoning, science, and demonic knowledge against the knowledge of God and makes man wise in his own eyes. We bind you in the name of Jesus. We bind mammon and his agents and all demons sent forth to intimidate, harass, manipulate, lie against mocks. Wear down, infect, destroy, spy, sabotage, hinder, besmirch, monitor, track, block, distract, confuse, pervert, stifle, curse, expose, stop, defile, assassinate, corrupt, divide, undermine, confound, attack, reproach, despise, and reduce the effectiveness of the righteous in Christ Jesus. We return and loose these attacks to the senders according to the covenant. We bind the bondage of generations of fool and the spirits of the fool. We bind the fool's anger in Jesus' name. We bind the carnal mind. We return to sender according to the covenant, all in every reprisal, retribution, counterattack, retaliation, all avenging, all blowbacks, all vengeance, every boomerang, each payback, and all requiting of our righteous warfare in Jesus' name. This includes every evil work, mark, rite, ritual, ceremony, sacrifice, proclamation, pronouncement, vow, root work, or sin against us, astral projection, sending demons to us to work against us and against all that pertains to us, no demon, no wicked person, or unrighteous event left behind, binding the inordinate use 
of conjugal rights in Jesus' name. We bind all vampire spirits, voodoo, hoodoo, ancient arts, mystic rituals, devils attending the New World Order, New Age Movement, and the Great Reset. We bind make-believe, fantasy, fables, enchantments, la-la lands, false religions, numerology, horoscopes, the spirits and works of the oppressors, the spirit and the children of disobedience. Martial arts, yoga, transcendental meditation, antichrist ideologies and doctrines, Ahab and Jezebelic spirits and practices, lewdness, perversions, the outworking of vain deceit, death spirits, spirits of destruction, chaos and mayhem, oppression, depression, anarchy, premonition, clairvoyance, ESP, telepathy, psychokinesis, out-of-body experiences, reincarnation, haunting, poltergeist, astral travel, psychic healing, demonic meditation, spirit guides, and defilement by wizards. We bind you in Jesus' name. We bind the king of and all the agents of his kingdom in Jesus' name. And we chain you with eternal chains under darkness in the name of Jesus. We bind all human, demonic, blood, sexual, financial, animal, fecal, and soulish sacrifices. We bind all devils attached to idols and idolatry. We bind every form of rebellion, idolatry, root work, mind control, apathy, nature worship, deception, scoffing, error, worldly indoctrination, military spirits, rioting abuse, all trolls, all fear, combative jealousy, fleshly ambition, the culture of corruption, weariness, betrayal, unfaithfulness, and temptation to sin. We bind Belial, Beelzebub, Baal, Mole, Basilic, Python, Neptune, Zeus, Apollyon, Kali, Isis, Osiris, all gods and goddesses, Mammon, Atlas, Baphomet, and his 72, and we particularly bind the 72, and we chain you all with eternal chains unto darkness in Jesus' name. We undo the works of all demonic weapons, fireballs, poisons, voodoo pins and dolls, hot and cold spots, promptings, codes, triggers, charms, tumors, and designs in the name of Jesus, and we return their afflictions to the worker of witchcraft and their pagan sources. We break the powers of every Masonic ritual, ceremony, and rite, and all of the proceedings and the powers through which they use in Jesus' name, and especially those of the affiliated organizations, and that includes the Demole in Jesus' name. We bind the brotherhood, the lodge, the craft, and the grips in what they represent in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind every spirit that was familiar to the Laodiceans. We bind the pride and foolishness of our own opinions and the work of errors in our lives, and we return and loose all the retaliations of the enemy upon his own head according to the scriptures. We bind our traditions and customs rooted in sin. We denounce and renounce them all and loose ourselves from them. We bind the gang stalkers and send their fear, harassment, and witchcraft back on their own heads as well as their mind control In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of slumber. We thank you, Father, that you have given us power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We bind every spirit that denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood atonement on the cross of Calvary. Father, we ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to to believe, and minds to receive what the Spirit of God says to the church. We repent of an evil heart of unbelief. And we ask you, Father, to teach us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Lord, we have come to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke and chain, and to call for justice and plead for truth. Lord, develop in us a love for the truth. Lead us into truth. Your word is truth. Make us to know the truth, and your truth will make us free. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. 
Lord, we have come to celebrate the scriptures with you and to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We will not turn back from pursuing the enemy until the Godhead does. The Lord Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief in whom we serve and obey. Father, and in our prayer, we forgive everyone that we ought to forgive in the name of Jesus Christ, including ourselves. We forgive ourselves, Lord, for some of the choices and decisions that we have made and some of the words that we have spoken. We forgive ourselves because we did ourselves and others an injustice, Father, and you an injustice. So we we forgive ourselves. We have done things that we shouldn't have done. We've made choices we should not have made. We've made judgments that we shouldn't have made. We've been wrong, and we're willing to admit it, Lord, and to confess our fault before you. We ask you, Lord, to help us. We need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you. So we thank you, Lord, for correcting us and strengthening us and helping us to see it your way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for our kings and all who are in authority and all true Christians. Father, we forgive all the kings and all who are in authority that are not obeying you. We forgive them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for kings, for all who are in authority and all true Christians everywhere, especially those that were persecuted and left behind in Afghanistan. Though we walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive us. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of our enemies, and your right hand will save us. Amen. Praise God. We disconnect ourselves from every spirit that followed us, from work, from the grocery store, from visiting the neighbors, from wherever we went and whatever we had to do. Any spirit that was transferred to us was sent to us. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. We send you into the spiritual cage in the name of Jesus, and we command you to leave us now in Jesus' name. There's no place for you. Every ungodly thought that we've had all week long, Father, We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. We pull it down from its high place, and we bring it captive. We bring it captive. We put some chains and some shackles on that thing in the name of Jesus, and we bring it subject and obedient to the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord, for Hebrews, where our minds are washed, Our thoughts are washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Our minds and our thoughts are washed out with the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for that, Lord. We want to thank you for that. We cover ourselves. Lord, I'm going to say this for those who are too chicken to say it themselves. We forgive you for all the times we thought you did it wrong. And we were mistaken, but we blamed you anyway. And we forgive ourselves for having done it too. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus, and we cover our vehicles and the road we travel with the blood of Jesus. We take authority, dominion, and power 
over anything, not just animals or demons, objects even, that cross our path. We thank you, Lord, for helping us. Amen. We thank you for helping us in the name of Jesus. We cover ourselves and our property with the blood of Jesus. We take authority over the demons of the night, any bad dreams, bad food dreams, nightmares, sex dreams, anyone or anything trying to get into our dreams. And we command it to stay away. We thank you for your giant angels that protect us as we, and our property as we sleep. We thank you, Lord, for the wall of fire with your glory in the midst. We pull out all the fiery darts, okay? You all with fiery darts, start pulling them out in the name of Jesus. We pull out all fiery darts, pins, needles, spear, all voodoo, witchcraft, and anything that was sent to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Pull it all out. Pull it out. Pull it out. Decapitate that black crow in the name of Jesus Christ. We decapitate that black crow with the sword of the spirit in Jesus' name. We bind the effects, the ungodly effects of the workers of witchcraft worshiping the moon last month, this month, and next month in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind up that insanity. We bind up that sin, and we pull it down from its high place, and we place it under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sun shall not smite us by day, nor the moon by night. We thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes, we do. And we pull down walls of protection, and we destroy and we burn cells free from silver cords and ley lines that you have got us attached to, Lord, if anything that we're attached to, Lord, that you didn't call for us to be attached to, we cut ourselves free right now in the name of Jesus. Every single thing that you didn't call us to be be attached to, we cut ourselves free with the sword of the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? We loose ourselves from those things, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Sometimes we don't know because it has a a front, a facade that appears to be decent and wholesome and maybe even righteous. But you see behind the curtain, Lord, and you know what it really is. So right now, we cut ourselves free from that ungodliness in the name of Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. We sever from ourselves all ungodly soul ties, attachments, covenants, agreements, oaths, garlands, vows, pledges, pacts, leagues, and all other form of agreement with the demonic realm. We come out of agreement with the entire demonic realm in Jesus' name. We tear down and destroy walls of protection around shamans, globalists, nanotechnology, Satanists, wizards, warlocks, witches, demons, evil spirits, sorcerers, divinators, and such in the name of Jesus Christ. We break the power of all love spells, vexes, hexes, curses, charms, fetishes, sorcery, magic, voodoo, destruction, 
sickness, pain, and torment, incense and candle burnings, hoodoo, crystals, root works, ungodly prayer chains, witchcraft, psychic thoughts, fetishes, powers, torments, all those incantations, tribal rituals and sins and root works and anything else being sent our way that's not of God. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we send it back because you didn't order that for us, Lord, and we didn't request it in Jesus' name. We bind all the spirits of wizardry, envy, jealousy, sorcery, all ungodly spirits abound in the name of Jesus. We bind spirits of bondage and spirits of fear and hate in the name of Jesus Christ. We command them to loose us and to come out of us and never come back again in Jesus' holy name. And we release the peace of God over the people of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Praise the Lord. The Lord. Amen. And let the church say amen. Our featured psalm is Psalm 107, and our featured ebook is Sexual Bondages Bible Study, Transference of Curses. Amen? And our verses for meditation come from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, 12. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Our guest call-in number is area code 319-527-6235 and press 1. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight, tonight, looking for, there, I think this is what I want here. We are, tonight, The Lord wants to talk to us about destroying the bondage of fear. Destroying the bondage of fear. Some of us are still hanging on to our fears, and the Lord is determined that we're going to get rid of them. So I would encourage you to become more determined than you are. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk about destroying the bondage of fear. Amen. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Mm. Aha. There. Beginning with verse 7. Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 7. And we'll get there in just a moment. Fear is a demon spirit. Fear is a demon spirit that is attacking and oppressing and dominating, spiritually immobilizing Christians today. And Satan's attack against the church, Satan has released 
legions of spirits of fear that are attacking and infiltrating the hearts and minds of God's people until they are bound and unable to walk in the power and victory which God has planned and purposed for the church, has many, many different manifestations. There are people who are bound by many different fears. Some have the fear of flying. Some have the fear of driving. Some have the fear of height. Some have a fear of darkness. Some have a fear of enclosed spaces. Some have a fear of growing old. Others have fears of various animals or fear of failure or fear of death or fear of rejection, and the list goes on and on and on. For a moment, think about fears that are in your own life. Think about the fears that are in your own life. Then think about the times you face circumstances when a spirit of fear gripped hold of your heart and your mind and your thoughts and tormented you. Think about that. It may be that you were in a very serious or near-fatal car accident. It may have been when your house was burglarized or it burned to the ground. It may have been when you are facing prolonged sickness or your children were sick or in danger, or at least you thought they were in danger. It may have been when a spirit of fear tried to gain a stronghold in your mind. Of all the manifestations of fear people face today, there are some from which it seems other fears emanate. There's a fear of want, a fear of pain and sickness, a fear of danger, a fear of man, and a fear of death. One of the primary ways that Satan is using to bind Christians today is the fear of man. That's right. And you may say, well, Pastor, I don't have that fear. Well, God might see it differently. Perhaps you should ask him. A majority of Christians are afraid to take a bold stand against sin and the works of Satan for fear of what others may think of them and how others may treat them. Many, many, many Christians are afraid to take a bold stand against sin and the works of Satan for fear of what others may think of them or how differently others will treat them. When those persons 
are part of their close family, friend, associate circle. In some countries, Christians are afraid to acknowledge that they are Christians for fear they will lose their jobs, for fear of persecution, or fear of death. There are even pastors and ministers and other Christian leaders who are afraid to preach the truth. They're afraid to preach against, they're afraid to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit for fear of losing members, fear of loss of financial support, or fear of the loss of approval of others. Many are afraid to step out in faith and do the work that God has given to them to do for fear they will not have the funds that they need. Others fear that once they have stepped out in faith, they fear finances will stop coming in. And it binds them. They won't step out and do new projects or new ministry that God's giving them because, well, the people might decide they don't want to give. You know how they are, Lord. Fickle. When the wind blows one way, they go that way. When the wind blows another way, they go that way. And unfortunately, there's a lot of fact and truth in that. Within our churches, members are afraid to worship freely. Some of you, in your own home, you're afraid to worship freely. You don't have the freedom to worship God the way the Holy Spirit is unctioning you to do so. You're afraid of what other people will think about you that are in your home or in your family that don't worship like you do or what they'll say about you. There are those who will not sing, those who will not pray publicly, or will not become involved in other things that the church is, it, church is doing because they are afraid. I remember when people, Christians were standing up, uh, they first came to understand how horrible abortion really is, and they would stand uh, on busy streets holding um, signs that they had made explaining the horrors of abortion and that abortion was sin and that abortion was wrong. And there are people who had the opportunity uh, to stand with those persons who never would because they were afraid somebody would drive by and see them. We must recognize this fear for what it is, sin. That's what it is. It's sin. No, it's not nonsense. It's fear and it's sin. At the root of fear is doubt and unbelief. At the root of fear is doubt and unbelief. 
It is not part of the nature, the God-given nature of the children of God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Instead, he has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. If you have fear, it is because you have allowed a spirit of fear to attack your mind and you need to take authority over it, bind it in the name of Jesus Christ, and cast it out in Jesus' name. After all, it's your spirit of fear. The fearful and unbelieving, the fearful and the unbelieving are going to be cast into the lake of fire. The fearful and unbelieving are going to be cast into the lake of fire along with the murderers, the liars, and the ungodly. The Bible says in Revelation 21, Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Amen. See, John saw this when he had a vision that Jesus gave him. He saw this vision from the throne of God, and this is what God told him. So don't be deceived. The fearful and the unbelieving will not enter into heaven. The overcomers who have by faith fought against Satan and the powers of darkness and overcome him are going to enter into heaven. It is those who have not only received Jesus Christ, but who walk in obedience to his word and fulfill his will. They will be entering into heaven. Jesus told his disciples a parable that we're going to look at in a few minutes, or at least part of it. He told them a parable which explains how a spirit of fear can gain a stronghold in the mind of Christians until it leads them to unbelief and unfaithfulness. This fear had such a hold on the man in this parable that he was unfaithful to his master and was cast into hell. In this parable, the man who goes on a journey and leaves his servant in charge of his household and goods represents the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who has gone into heaven and has left his servants in charge of his kingdom. In this parable, when the master returned, he approached every person with whom he had entrusted something. He entrusted one man with five talents, one man with two talents, and one man with one talent. The man with the five talents had used his talent. The Lord blessed him and said, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, and welcomed him into heaven. The same happened with the man who had two talents. However, when the man who had one talent came to the Lord to give an account, you know we all will give an account before the Lord of the things done in our body, he said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. I'm in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 24. Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 24. He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. Verse 25. And I was afraid. And I was afraid. And went and hid thy talent in the earth. Well. That didn't seem to please the Lord at all. The master of the kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, was filled with wrath. He was not happy about it at all. He looked at his servant and rebuked him. So the Lord did not say, you are a wicked, slothful, and unfaithful sinner. No, that's not what he said. He didn't say that. He didn't call him a sinner. Amen? He did not call him a sinner. Think about that for a moment. He did not call him a sinner. Said unto him, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Servant. He didn't call him a sinner. He called him a servant. This man was a servant. He was as much a member of the kingdom of God as the other two men. There was only one thing different about him, about this one. 
the Lord said to him, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I shall I should have received mine own with usury. Well, You see, this person was a part of the body of Christ. They were just unfaithful to the Lord and to the assignment that they have been given. At no point do you hear the Lord say that because he was a drunkard or because he was a murderer or a thief or an adulterer or any of that, I'll take this from you. So... We, As far as we know, the man never did any of those things that we classify as big old sins. That's right. But he was cast out of the kingdom of God and into hell. That's right. Amen. So you see, saints, we can't sit around and fail to obey God. In verse 30, the Lord says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, I don't think we want to go there, now do we? There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hmm. Is that where you want to be? It's not where I want to be. Does weeping and gnashing of teeth sound as if God opened the pearly gates and let him into the glorious heavens? Or does it sound more like he went to hell? The unfaithful, unprofitable servant was cast out because he had been unfaithful and unprofitable. He didn't do anything with what the master gave him except bury it. So, in looking at the passage, what hindered him? from doing what the master had commanded him to do. It was fear. He told him so. Fear had entered his heart and his mind, and it led him to unbelief. And today, Satan is still trying to use a fear of man to gain a stronghold in our hearts and our minds until we fail to act on the word of God and do his will. I'll say that again. Even today, Satan is still trying to use a fear of man to gain a stronghold in our hearts and minds until we fail to act on the word of God and do the Lord's will. If we allow fear to remain in our hearts and minds, it will leave an opening 
An open door? Yes, a big open door for unbelief to come in and will cause us to disobey God of man, which caused Saul, King Saul, to rebel and disobey God. Instead of doing what God said, he kept the spoils of all of the Amalekites, which God had commanded him to totally destroy. And then he said to Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy word, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now, saints, that is what has happened with a lot of people with regard to the COVID shot. They could hear from God. You know, we were praying for the people to hear from God and do what God wanted them to do. They heard, they heard, but they feared the people. And they obeyed the voice of the people and not the voice of the Lord. Amen. It's the truth. As a result of King Saul's disobedience, God removed his spirit and the anointing, the grace of God, from Saul, King Saul's life. Serious consequences. That's serious. That's very serious. As Jesus sent his disciples out into their cities to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And he told them that they would be persecuted for doing it. He said that they would be brought before councils, they'd be beaten, they'd be hated, and despised by all men. He also told them in Matthew ten twenty eight. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he told them, and fear not, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body, in hell. So you have a choice. You can do what King Saul did. He decided to listen to the voice of the people and obey their voice, or you can choose what Jesus is saying to do, to not fear those that can kill your body but can't kill your soul, but rather reverence him Fear him, reverence him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. 
And we need to keep that in mind. We need to keep our priorities straight. So, saints, we cannot allow ourselves to become bound by fear of man. God is raising us up to do the same works Jesus did. He is raising us up to win our neighborhoods, our cities, and our countries for God. As we join together to fulfill God's mandate of reaching souls, we cannot afford to be bound by fear of man. God expects us to be fearless, bold, and strong. God expects us to be fearless, bold, and strong. Amen? In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, we are warned that there will be such that will corrupt by using flattery. They will corrupt by using flattery. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They shall be strong. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's what God is saying. In your own personal life, you must not allow yourself to be afraid of or intimidated by other people, not by an unbelieving mate or spouse, not afraid of or intimidated by fellow employees, not afraid of or intimidated by a boss or supervisor, not afraid of or intimidated by members of your family or friends. Fear is bondage. Fear is bondage. If your heart and mind are continually filled with a fear of what other people think of you, a fear of ridicule, a fear of rejection, a fear of scorn, fear of what they might do to you, you will be so bound, you will be unable to walk in the freedom and victory that Jesus Christ has made possible for you. Well, saints, it's the moment of decision. The fear of man is a trap. It's a trap. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 29, And verse 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. In other words, along with the fear of man automatically comes a trap and a snare. A lure, a trap, a snare. It's part of the package. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. 
will use this to keep you from doing the work that God has given you to do. It will cause you to get your eyes off God's power to deliver you. You know, God has power to deliver you. You'll get your eyes off of God's power to deliver you, and it will cause you to look to man or to depend on your own limited knowledge and strength. Saints, that's dangerous. The Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 12 and verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. It's enough for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. That's what God's saying to us, that his grace is sufficient for us and that his strength is made perfect in our little weaknesses. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, beginning with verse seven. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, beginning with verse seven. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, beginning with verse seven. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Verse 8, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. The people rested themselves on these words. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor, nor dismayed. For there be more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. If you choose, you may rest on those words as well. Fear of man will cause you to become more concerned about pleasing men than pleasing God. The fear of man will cause you to become more concerned about pleasing men than pleasing God. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Acts, New Testament, chapter 5, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought. 
to obey God rather than men. Among those who believed in Jesus, there were many chief rulers of the people. However, because they feared the Pharisees and what they would do to them, they did not openly confess him. Among the chief rulers of the people, there were a lot of them that believed in Jesus, but they never openly confessed him because they feared the Pharisees. Pharisees would do to them. They would put them out of the synagogue and harass them and on and on and on. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning with verse 42. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning with verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the cause of the Pharisees and their fear of the Pharisees, They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. That's what they're going to do to the people that confessed uh, uh, this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth. They're going to put them out of the synagogue. Mm. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see, saints, once you allow a fear of man to take hold in your life, instead of living your life to please God, you will be living it to please men. You'll be living it to please your spouse in your marriage instead of living your life to please the God who created you. You'll be living your life to please your boss. Why? Because you want a promotion. Instead of living your life to please the God who created you. You'll be living your life to please this one and that one and this one and that one, and you'll have a strong spirit of compromise in your life. It'll lead you to lie. It'll lead you to cheat. It'll lead you to do all all kinds of sins that you never thought you would enter into. Amen? Because you, somewhere down the path of life, you chose to please people instead of pleasing God. Some of you can look at some of your uh, recent decisions, and you can see that if you have the courage to look. Many Christians, some of which are in Miracle Internet Church, Miracle Outreach Ministry, constantly seek to gain 
the recognition and approval of others. I'll say that again. Many Christians, including some in Miracle Internet Church and Miracle Outreach Ministries, constantly seek to gain the recognition and approval of others, certain others, instead of fearing and reverencing God and seeking to please him and to obey him. There are Christians who are afraid to acknowledge Jesus Christ in a public place by praying for someone in need or even talking about the Lord for fear that they will look foolish or people will think that they are fanatics. But it's okay. Stand there and have this conversation about what happened at the football game whenever it was and get all excited and revved up around it because what are you? You're just a fanatic. Amen. If so, say ouch. It's okay to get all stirred up about worldly things, but about things that surpass this life and go into the next life. Excited about that, something's wrong with you. You can't get excited about the fact that Jesus saved your soul. You can't get excited about all the many miracles he's performed in your life and talk about that. Because then you'll have a friend that says something to you on the order of, well, you know you have to be able to talk about things other than the Bible and God. You can't just talk about that all the time. People won't want to hear that. They won't want to be your friends, and they won't want to talk to you. Well, how are you going to feel if that very person that you just were afraid to talk to them about Jesus, if something happens and you never see them again and they end up going to hell because you missed a witness that was important? What are you going to say to Jesus when you meet him face to face? Well, that's a good question. There are Christians who would rather compromise their relationship with Jesus Christ than to lose the approval of their business associates. Are you one of them? Are you one of those Christians? Just stop and think for a moment. If you have allowed a spirit of fear to build a stronghold in your mind where you are bound by a fear of man. If you have, if this has happened in your life, you need, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm so sorry. No, it means to turn away from your sin. You need to repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways. You need to turn away from your sin. You need to acknowledge the truth. You need to acknowledge the truth. Amen? 
You need to take authority over this spirit of fear that you allowed in whenever that was. You need to bind it in the name of Jesus Christ like we teach you to do, and you need to command it to leave you and to get up out of you in the name of Jesus Christ and never come back again. You know how to do that. We taught you how to do that. You don't need another lesson on that right this minute. The root of this fear is your doubt and unbelief. It's your doubt and unbelief. That's what it is. When a person becomes fearful of man, it is because they no longer have their eyes upon the unlimited power of God, and they are no longer believing and trusting him to deliver them. He may have already delivered you before from the exact same thing, but here you go again. Well, saints, you can choose to change, too. Fearlessness of the Israelites as they went out into battle was based upon their faith and trust in God and his promise to deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. To be set free and walk in freedom from the fear of man, we must walk in covenant relationship with our God, where we know that through Jesus Christ, we are filled with the fullness of God in all his being, and that he will deliver us out of the hands of all our enemies. That's one of our promises. We must keep our eyes off of man and the circumstances which would cause us to become fearful. God has commanded us not to fear man. In the book of Isaiah, Chapter 51, the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, beginning with verse 7. Isaiah, chapter 51, beginning with verse 7. Hearken unto me. In other words, listen to me. I'm trying to talk to you. You that know righteousness and have a right standing with God, That's what righteousness is. It's a right standing with God. The people in whose heart is my law. The word of God is in your heart. Fear ye not the reproach of men. That's what he said. Fear ye not the reproach of men. Neither be ye afraid of their revilings. Really? That's right. No matter what they say or do, don't be afraid. Because the enemy, you know, is going to use them to do ugly things that you've seen people do before. This is nothing new under the sun. Folks have done this before. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. 
but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. These people, in comparison with the Lord, are weak and insignificant, and you have to see them that way. Amen? Praise the Lord. There is no reason we should ever fear man because in comparison with God, man is so weak and insignificant, there is absolutely nothing for us to fear. These same people came from dust, just like you. There is nothing man can say or do to us that can destroy us or stop the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. We've got to come to know this. Isaiah 51, beginning with verse 12. Isaiah 51, beginning with verse 12. The Lord speaking here, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Isaiah chapter 51, now I'm in verse 12. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of man which shall be made as grass? Verse 13, and forgettest the Lord thy maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. So God asks, and where is this fury of the oppressor? You know, you're so busy shaking in your shoes and your knees are knocking and you can't sleep at night and you're tossing and turning. Where is his fury? Who is this? I'm God. Who is he? Who is she? Who are they? When you allow a spirit of fear to oppress you until it gains a stronghold in your mind, it will spiritually immobilize you. It will spiritually immobilize you. It will cause you to forget God and his promises to you. In our covenant relationship with our God, he has joined himself to us. He's our Abba Father, and we are his beloved children. Just as he promised to deliver Israel out of the hands of their enemies, and that no man would be able to stand before them, he has promised to be with us, not only to protect us, but to give us victory over all of our enemies. You know, this is a choice. We have to make things. We have to decide. Amen. We got to decide.
when we come into a relationship with our God, where we know that we know that we know that we know that he is with us, we are in him, and he is in us, there will be no fear. There will be no fear. Fear will cause you to forget God's power to deliver you and to doubt his love for you and his provision for you. It will paralyze your faith if you allow it to until you cannot reach out to God and receive what you need from him. That's terribly dangerous. You must stop fear in its tracks, saints. Go to verse 16, Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. God says, And I have put my words in thy mouth, and have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and to, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. God has made us his own people. We are covered and protected by his powerful, mighty hand. He has promised to be a wall of fire around us. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5. We just finished praying this. He has promised this to us. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. Well, God can't lie. He has promised never to leave us. He's promised to fight for us. He's promised to go with through the waters of adversity and fiery tribulation and to give us victory over all of our enemies. Okay, that's what God has promised. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Amen? Let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. Amen. That's what God is saying. Trying to give you a second or two to get caught up because I don't want to leave you behind. Amen. Amen. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God won't leave you. He won't abandon you. 
verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm not going to fear, Tizar, that man should do unto me. I'm not going to be afraid when they say, well, you think this way and you believe this way. Well, we're going to fire you. We're going to suspend you without pay. I'm not going to be afraid. God will not relax his grip on us, saints, so we should not be seized with alarm. Why? Because the Lord himself is our help, helper. Therefore, we should not be fearful. We should not be dreading. We should not be terrified. The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen? That's the position that we need to be in. That's the position that we need to take. And we don't need to be slow about it. In his attack on the church, Satan has built a stronghold of fear in many of our minds until we are bound and unable to take possession of our spiritual inheritance as a child of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. In whom? In Jesus. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, not necessarily the counsel of your will at all. Amen. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Mm-hmm. Verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's an inheritance. In our covenant relationship with God, we have inherited all the promises of God. They've been sealed and made legally binding by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins. Through his covenant with us, our God has made provision that all our needs be met. He has provided salvation, healing, deliverance from our enemies, divine protection, divine provision. 
as we release our faith, yes, we have to be able to release our faith and trust God to fulfill his promises to us. There's no room for fear. Can be dislodged. It's not impossible. We have been set free from a fear of want. We've been set free from a fear of pain and sickness. We've been set free from a fear of man. We've been set free from a fear of death. But somebody's got to walk in it. Somebody has got to decide that they are going to walk in it no matter what. Amen? Somebody has got to make that choice. Psalm 91, beginning with verse 5. Psalm 91, beginning with verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Arrow? Okay, bullet. Will that help you? Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Pestilence, plague. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. Psalm 112, beginning with verse 7. Psalm 112, beginning with verse 7. Let me go there with you. Psalm 112, amen. All right, I'm going to start in verse 1, and then I'm going to move. Psalm 112, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandment. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees he see his desire upon his enemy. Amen. Even though you've been set free from all fear, Satan's strategy is to cause you to become fearful concerning your circumstances. And you can tell when that starts to set in. You know that you're sitting there thinking thoughts that you ought not to have. When you face adverse circumstances, such as the loss of your job or income, or severe pain or sickness, or a family member or loved one becomes terminally ill or does something else that is quite displeasing, 
or the lack of finances you need to meet the needs of your family, a spirit of fear will attack your mind. Time for the body of Christ to attack back. The Bible teaches us to attack at the onset. Not after the devil's been sitting there yakking in your ears for three days. Attack at the onset and keep attacking, keep attacking, keep attacking. Amen. And if you fail to take authority over it, it will torment you until you become upset. I mean, I have been in church with people, and they've let this spirit of fear get in. And we're standing there telling them the word of God concerning their circumstance. They sung a song all about how great God is, and they're still sitting there in church being tormented. And they will not stop and say, Pastor or Elder or anybody else, help me. I'm being attacked by a spirit of fear. Now, saints, that's just too much pride, way too much. That's overkill. Amen. The spirit of fear is not playing. He's serious. I wish you were at least as serious as he is. The spirit of fear will control and dominate your heart and mind concerning your circumstances until you are no longer trusting and believing God. You just can't sit there and let the enemy beat you and clobber you like that. You just can't do that. And yet you do it over and over and over again. At some point, you've got to draw the line some point, saints, you must needs be draw the line. The children of Israel were on the border of the land that God had promised to give them as their inheritance. Yet, there were a lot of them. There were over two million of those people. There were only two people out of all of those people. who wandered in the wilderness a whole 40 years, who actually entered in and took possession of their inheritance. Out of all of those people, they're out there wandering in the wilderness. 40 years is a long time. There were only two that entered in. Think about that. And what kept them out of the promised land? Their fear and their unbelief. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8. God had told them to go in and take possession of their land. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. The Lord had told them, go get it. 
I've given it to you. Go for it. Go to war. Go to war. Go to war. And fight, 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 fight till you win. Fight, 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 fight till you win. Fight till you're overcome. Fight till you win. Fight till you get the victory. That's the command. Amen. Later on, Moses told them in verse 21, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto them. Unto thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. Fear not, neither be discouraged. You might want to bind discouragement and kick him out too while you're at it. Amen? So Moses sent the people out. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Moses sent the spies out, and they wandered around, seeing everything that they were supposed to see, and after 40 days, um, many of them came back. The majority came back. See, you can't always go with the majority. The majority came back with an evil report, but two of them had a righteous report. That's the way it went. Numbers 13, verse 27 Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whether thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. God had told them that. Here it is, the proof that what God said is the truth. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Well, so what? Verse 30. Verse 30. People were afraid of the people and did not want to fight them. The people were afraid and they didn't want to fight the enemy. Well, that's where the majority of of Christians are, right there. They're afraid of this, that, and the other, and they don't want to fight the enemy at any cost. They figure if they stay in their corner, Satan will leave them alone, but that is as wrong as it can be. However, God did have two people that were strong, that were fearless, and that were not afraid. And in verse 30, excuse me, verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So you have to decide which camp you're going to be in. And no one can choose this for you. You have to do this. Amen? The people were fearful because they were looking at the power and strength of their enemy. When the Israelites heard the report, They were afraid and wept and they grumbled and complained. Instead of fighting the enemy and taking possession of the land, they decided instead they were going to find them a leader and go back to Egypt. And they were, (laughs) 
They should have been glad God didn't just kill all of them right there on the spot. That's just not the way you treat God. They have forgotten how God had mightily delivered them out of Egypt. But I want you to understand all the people in the surrounding areas, they had not forgotten how God delivered them out of Egypt. It was very much on their mind. Those plagues, those people in the surrounding areas had not forgotten the one. They had not forgotten that God opened the Red Sea to let these people go through and crashed it down on Pharaoh's army. They didn't forget. But somehow or other, the Israelites managed to. Can you believe that? Joshua and Caleb were not cowards, and they weren't fearful. They were ready to face the enemy. They were willing to take their stand, even though the whole congregation was against them. They weren't scared. Amen? They were not afraid. In Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, beginning with verse 7, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Mm-hmm. So Moses had to remind them of this. Moses had to remind them. In verse 29, I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. Then I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Hmm. However, the Israelites were so bound with fear and unbelief, they rebelled and refused to obey God's command to take possession of the land. Not one of them was allowed to enter the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. Instead of Taking the land, they were forced to wander 40 years in the wilderness where they died. You know, some decisions aren't just bad, they're horrid. So we have the church today that's acting like the Israelites. And my question is, are you one of them? Are you one of them? If you are, you need to get with God. If you're one of them, you need to get with God. That's right. Because you're living in sin. 
You're living in sin. If you find yourself in fear, in terror, you need to spend plenty of time with God because you're backslidden. You're in sin. Amen? You are in sin, but that's not where God has called you to be. He's called you to walk with him in faith and in victory. In faith and in victory. He hasn't called you fear. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. You're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. You belong to God. He's given you his spirit. Amen? Because when you are in fear, you're not in what the Bible calls a right mind. You waver back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, the Bible says that if you're going to do that, you shouldn't receive anything from God. And you need too much from God to be wavering like that. You can't afford that. Amen? You can't afford to do that. You can't afford to to waver back and forth like, you know, well, I can change my mind today and I can change my mind tomorrow and I can change my mind again and again and again and again. Uh, Not if you expect to receive from God. Amen? Not if you expect to receive from God. It doesn't work that way with God. Amen? It doesn't work that way with God. Amen? It does not work that way with our God. It's important, saints. Okay? It's important, saints, for us to walk in faith because without faith, we cannot please God. We cannot please God. You know, God is getting very, uh, mm, I say I need a word, Holy Spirit. Pressing the matter of fear in our lives. I don't know. I sort of see him like um, the toothpaste tube. He's getting down to that last part that doesn't want to come out. But it's going to come out. I would suggest that we all go before the Lord in prayer, asking him to search our hearts and Bring out our fear to our faces so we can stop pretending we don't have any. That would be helpful. Amen? 
that would be helpful. If we could be truthful with the Lord, that would be helpful. Amen? Amen. I believe in being truthful with the Lord. I believe in being transparent with the Lord. I believe in taking responsibility for my part of the problem. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, the devil made me do it. No, I'm going to tell the truth. Lord, I did this, and I'm wrong for having done it. Amen. We may as well all get ready for it because that's the way it really is. Amen. Amen. So we we need to get real with the Lord, saints. We need to be transparent, and we need to tell ourselves the truth. We need not lie to ourselves. That's not helping. You won't win that way. Amen? Amen. So we are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning. Dr. Anthony Fossey's net worth almost doubled during the years spanning the COVID-19 pandemic, according to financial disclosure forms obtained through litigation by a nonprofit government watchdog. The household disclosed net worth increased from $7.6 million in January 2019 to over $12.6 million by December 2021, according to the Open Books Organization. CEO and founder Adam, I can't say his last name, uh, said about the financial position of the director of the Institutes of Health, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Fossey also is chief medical advisor to to President Joe Biden. Isn't that wonderful? and held a similar position under former President Donald Trump from the onset of the pandemic in 2020. Mm, I'm not going to say that, Lord. In addition, he's the highest-paid federal employee. That means he makes more than the president, okay? Earning more than 456000 in 2021 in compensation. His federal salary increased to 480000 in 2020, that of the president, vice president, and Supreme Court justices. During the ongoing pandemic year of 2021, the Fosse's household income, perks and benefits, and unrealized investment gains total to 2832000 876, including federal income and benefits of 903,497, outside royalties and travel perks totaling 919,205 and 9,010,174 in investment gains. Fossey's finances were further augmented by a $1 million award he received from the Dan David Prize at Tel Aviv University in Israel. Fossey kept more than 900000 of the award, with the rest going to fund scholarships, according to his disclosure form. 
Fossey also collected awards from $12,500 from the Elliott Richardson Prize in Public Service in July 2021 and the Abelson Prize from the American Association of the Advancement of Science in February 2021. Fossey is heavily invested in the market with the disclosure forms of 910174 through stock, bond, and money market interest during 2021. The Fossey portfolio gained 794369 in 2020. The total value of Fossey's investment account, $10,271,626. And his wife's investments totaled another $2,405,887 as of December 2021. These funds were held in a mix of trust, retirement, and college education accounts. Fossey has an IRA worth 706219 up to 67700 a defined benefit brokerage account totaling 2551210 which is up 147 and a revocable trust worth $7,014,197, which is up $1,718,299. His wife's revocable trust is worth $2,269,225, which is up 306,406 and an IRA totaling 136,662 which is up 16,385 four separate federal lawsuits have been filed in its efforts to force the NIA to make public data concerning royalties valued at 134 million paid to more than 1,600 of the agency's executives, science, scientists, and researchers by outside firms thought to be primarily from the pharmaceutical industry between 2010 and 2014. Based on the numbers for that period, projects that uh, amounted to about $350 million in such royalty payments were made outside by outside payers to NIH employees between 2010 and 2020. Royalty payments also went to at least three of the top echelon of NIH leaders, including Dr. Francis Collins, the immediate past director of NIH, who got 14 payments. Fossey received 23 payments, and Fossey's deputy director at NIAID, Clifford Lane, received eight payments. Collins resigned as NIH director in December 2021 after 12 years at the helm of the world's largest public health agency. His acting successor, Dr. Lawrence Tabak, conceded during a congressional hearing earlier this year that there may be an appearance of a conflict of interest in the royalty pay. My, my. 
Those of you that do that math real well, you just go right on tabulator. Fossey's wife, Christine Grady, also is highly compensated and is listed on the NIH website as a senior investor and chief of the Department of Bioethics at NIH's Health Clinical Center. Her title is currently listed by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management as social science with a pay level of 238970 according to the data compiled. The current top pay rate for federal government executive level officials is 226300 Grady's compensation is at the center of one of the four suits as a result of NIH officials' refusal to disclose information sought via the Freedom of Information Act request, dated April 8th. The lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. The request sought all employment contracts, modifications, and addendums for Grady since assuming her present position, as well as all confidentiality agreements, documents, conflicts of interest, waivers, or documents, ethics, conclosure, disclosures, and financial interest and or economic interest disclosure documents. In addition, a request sought a copy of Grady's current official job description. All federal employment jobs are required by law and regulation to have an official position description that describes the specific duties and responsibilities for which the individual can be held accountable. Yes, Lord, we are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning the New Jersey Department of Education is imposing sex education standards that require school districts to teach middle school students about anal sex and pregnancy options like abortion or face potential disciplinary action. The State Board of Education approved several changes to the statewide education standards June 2020, which school districts are required to implement this month under threat of losing state. The new standards expect students by the end of grade eight to be able to describe pregnancy testing, the signs of pregnancy and pregnancy options, including parenting, aborting, aborting, abortion, and adoption, and be able to define vaginal, oral, and anal sex. The state's education standards also state that children by eighth grade should be able to differentiate between gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. And schools should develop a plan to promote dignity and respect for people of all genders, gender identities, gender expressions, and sexual orientations in the community. Melissa Varley, superintendent of the Berkeley Heights Public Schools, said that while parents can have their children opt out the sex education requirements still have to be taught in her school district. If we do not, we do not pass New Jersey Quality Single Accountability Continuum Monitoring. If the district 
fails this process, we may become ineligible for state and even federal funding, Barley explained. A spokesperson for the New Jersey Department of Education said that learning standards are mandatory for local education agencies to implement and failure to comply can result in disciplinary action. Under New Jersey statutes, for children to be excused from any part of instruction in health, family life, or sex education, their parent or guardian must inform the school principal in writing that the instruction conflicts with their conscious or sincerely held moral or religious beliefs, the spokesperson said. The system the state uses to monitor school systems evaluates based on five core components that research has identified as key factors in effective district operations, the spokesperson added. Specific indicators in each of the five areas are self-evaluated by the district and verified by the department. If a district scores below 80% in any of the areas, the district is required to create a district improvement plan to address the indicators found to be out of compliance. An assessment is made of the district's capacity and effectiveness based on its compliance with the indicators. Following the assessment, the district is placed on a performance continuum that will determine the level of oversight and technical assistance and support it receives in accordance with New Jersey State I think that's, um, I don't know, I forgot what that meant. The spokesperson continued, dependent upon the percentage of quality performance indicators a district satisfies upon review of the improvement plan, the department may determine whether additional monitoring or intervention is warranted. Woo. In 2020, following five months of discernment, public comments, and revision, the State Board of Education voted to revise the 2020 New Jersey Student Learning Standards for Comprehensive Health and Physical Education for Classroom Instruction with a key focus on personal and mental health section. Concerns over how the standards will be implemented prompted Governor Phil Murphy to ask the State Department of Education to review the standards and provide further clarification on what age-appropriate guidelines look like for our students. Acting Education Commissioner Angelica Allen McMillan, in a memo on April 14th to school officials declaring that the state does not mandate curriculum and that specific materials for the course remain at the discretion of local educational agencies. To be clear, in a report indicating that the New Jersey Department of Education has approved a specific vendor or instructional material or lesson plan related to the implementation of all of that or any other content area is not accurate. These standards are based on research making clear that the receiving age appropriate information about health education is essential for students' physical and emotional well-being. Regarding the requirement that students know about vaginal, oral, and anal sex, she said this is foundational to keep students safe and protecting themselves from pressure 
dating violence, and assault. It is important to provide students language for and understanding of specific acts, empowering them to stay safe, evaluate risk, form decisions, and communicate health issues or injuries if necessary. The memo continued, further youth who are unable to appropriately name sexual acts may not be able to accurately report instances of sexual harm or abuse if it occurs. In May, four state board education members wrote an open letter expressing an ongoing concern about the sex education standards and their implementation. As board members, we continue to hear views of parents and educators with passionate feelings about what is appropriate and inappropriate for their children to learn, especially about sex, they wrote. We are hoping the committee and department will recommend removing some of the more controversial and graphic language as well as reexamine the age appropriateness of the grade at which some of these topics are recommended to be taught. We are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning students across the United States and worldwide gathered in prayer Wednesday morning as ministry groups work to ensure that Christian outreach on school campuses lasts the whole year. The 33rd annual See You at the Pole event held today was a student-organized global movement of prayer. Each year, students gather in a circle around the school's flagpole to pray together on the fourth Wednesday of September. Students can participate in elementary, junior high, and high school, as well as at universities worldwide. Students can also participate by praying at the same time at their work, church, or their local city hall. The theme of this year's See You at the Pole event was a flame focusing on the Bible verse Romans 12, 11 through 12. And, um, oh, pray, keep it alive, pray. Students, activists affiliated with the group Claim Your Campus hosted a live stream fe- featuring prompts for participants in See You at the Poll to consider. They called on students to turn this moment into a movement, pointing to the ministry's app and free campus prayer guide as tools to continue to gather with your friends to pray for change in your school. Following each prompt, participants had 90 seconds to reflect in prayer. The first prompt asked students to pray for what God is doing in us. Receive God's joy in our hearts so that we may experience revival in our own lives and ask Jesus for a fire and passion so that we may surrender to what God has called each of us to do this year. After participants had a chance to reflect on the prompt and over from Michigan led a prayer and Andover from Michigan led a prayer requesting that God will fill us up with a fire and a passion for you. He also prayed that our schools will be changed and that he will give us boldness and courage this upcoming school year, expressing a desire that we may be as light in our hallways and that we may be be the salt of the earth. The second prompt encouraged students to pray around us for our schools. Braden from Kansas, who led the prompt, urge participants to know that God is using you to be a light on your campus and a light to everyone that you meet. 
Be patient as you pray for change at your school. God is working even when we can't see it. Pray for all the things you want to see differently on your campus. And trust in God, and trust in God that it will happen in his time, not in your time, he added. Following a 90-second pause, Braden prayed to God that everyone at all the campuses, all the schools around our nation will be will just be filled with you, and they will all come to know you. Additionally, he prayed for all of the tough things that people are going through in our schools, that it will just end and that all the struggles, all the depression, all the anxiety will subside because you will reign over our schools. He concluded by reiterating his hope that CU at the poll participants can be a light in their school, sharing the love of Jesus with everyone. The third prompt, led by Christina of New York, encouraged participants, think of those who are sick, neglected, forgotten, and unreached, and continue to pray for what is going on in our world, our nation, and our community. She also asked students to think outwardly, pray big, and pray without giving up, because God has not given up on the world. Amen. Following the 90 seconds set aside for reflection, Christina offered a prayer of thanksgiving for God's mercy, graciousness, and goodness, in addition to the ability that we as believers have come before you in prayer. She prayed that God would intervene on behalf of those who have yet to hear your gospel, requesting that he change our lives as you've changed the lives of so many people. The annual event dates back to 1990 when a high school youth group in Burleson, Texas, felt compelled to go to the flagpoles at schools in their area and pray for their friends, schools, and leaders. Shortly thereafter, youth leaders across the state envisioned simultaneous student-led events at school flagpoles statewide. The first CU at the Pole event occurred on September 12, 1990, with 45,000 teenagers at schools in four states participating. The following year, the movement expanded and included approximately 1 million students nationwide. In the past 30 years, CU at the Pole has spread to 64 countries, and about 1 million students take part each year. While CU at the Pole does not have an official sponsor, the Baptist General Convention of Texas has the right to the trademark phrase, CU at the Pole. And Student Discipleship Ministries in Burleson, Texas, creates and distributes promotional materials for the event, such as videos. The National Network of Youth Ministries handles media relations for the event. CU at the Pole is not the only event held annually to encourage students to share their faith. Bring Your Bible to School Day, scheduled to take place on October 6th, this year empowers Christian students of all ages to speak God's grace and truth into the culture around them, starting with two simple steps, bringing their Bibles to school and sharing what God's word means to them. Amen. We are requesting adjudication from the righteous judge concerning. On September 25th of this year, the largest fresh produce market in France was suddenly engulfed in flames. According to journalists on the scene, the fire covered 7,000 square meters at its peak. The smoke was visible for miles. Over 100 firefighters were deployed to control the fire. The Runges International Market is regarded 
regarded as the largest wholesale market of fresh product, 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 pro, oh, forget it, I've talked too long, in the world. It is located in the commune of Runges in the southern suburbs of Paris. The market supplies a large portion of fresh fruits and horticulture products in the area. The fires were brought under control, but not until a large portion of the market was burned to the ground. The massive fire is the latest attack on the Western food supply. Over 100 food manufacturing plants, meat plants, farms, and markets have caught fire over the past year and a half. These unexplained fires are not related to forest fires or other natural disasters. There's no doubt these fires have disrupted the supply chain across Europe and the United States. Some of the first noticeable fires were recorded in the early part of 2021. These included the $75,000, I'm sorry, 75,000 square foot processing plant in Fayetteville, which was destroyed by a large fire on January 21. On April 21, the Smithfield Foods pork processing plant in Monmouth, Illinois, was taken off guard by a large fire. On July 21, over 170 emergency personnel responded to a fire at the Kellogg plant in Memphis, Tennessee. On July 21, firefighters battled a large fire at Tyson's River Valley Ingredients Plant in Hansville, Alabama. On March 22, a large fire at the Marcopa Food Pantry in Arizona resulted in 50,000 pounds of food going up in smoke. Over the summer of 2022, millions of turkeys and chickens were destroyed at farms from Nebraska to Iowa to Minnesota to North Carolina. Some food processing plants are tanking in the current economic climate. On 622, the largest pork company in the U.S. shut down its California plant due to the high cost of doing business. On June 2022, Georgia's Inc. Poultry and Prepared Food announced the closure of their processing plant in Campbell County, Tennessee. And there's a nice long list of the latest arson attacks on the food supply. And I won't uh, bore you by reading them all, but, Lord, we present them to you in the name of Jesus Christ. There are just a few instances. While some incidents might be incidental, no, they're not waiting for me to call in. I called in long before the show started. No, I'm up. I'm up. Amen? I'm up. Okay? All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. I lost my place. Oh, these are just a few instances. While some incidents may be incidental, dozens more seem to follow a similar pattern of terrorism and sabotage. The food supply has been under attack ever since factories and food processing plants were targeted for shutdown based on fraudulent COVID-19 testing programs 
that isolate healthy people at home. We're requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning. Now, this was written before the hurricane hit. Hurricane Ian is just hours away as of this writing from barreling straight through an area of Florida where at least 50% of the nation's phosphate fertilizer supply is mined and produced. Mosaic Company operates numerous mines in an area east of Tampa and north and northeast of Fort Myers where the Category 4 hurricane, uh, Max I, Ian's maximum recorded wind speeds were just a few miles per hour short of reaching Category 5 made landfall, bringing with it catastrophic damage. The storm surge alone is reportedly causing catastrophic damage to Sanibel, Inglewood, Venice, and other areas, not to mention all the heavy winds and rain. And that very same carnage is headed straight for the fertilizer alley, though at that point it will admittedly be slightly less severe. Well, guess what? (laughs) Florida's fertilizer alley is replete with phosphate rock assets, which are turned into fertilizers uh, such as diammonium phosphate and monoammonium phosphate. Chuck Watson, a a disaster modeler with NKIC research, indicated that Mosaic's New Wales plant is right in the middle of the damage swatch. He added that the plant could be out for weeks, depending on the level of damage, with food prices already sky high and energy issues depleting global fertilizer supplies. Fortunate new development is nothing short of ominous for the global food supply. Mosaic reportedly owns more than half of the 15.86 million metric tons of DAP and MAP production capacity in the United States, a bulk of which is in Florida in the path of the hurricane. Back in 2017, Hurricane Irma impacted some of that capacity, reducing the company's production of phosphate by 400,000 metric tons. Competitor Potash Corporation, also located in Florida, was shut down for four days due to Irma. Ian is shaping up to be just as devastating as Irma, or perhaps worse. Ian will almost certainly be worse than Irma as far as America's fertilizer production capacity is concerned. Fertilizer can make or break crop production. And global food prices have touched records in recent months as inflation ripples through the economy and hunger levels rise. The cost of growing food in the U.S. is set to rise by the most ever in 2022 as Russia's invasion of Ukraine put a huge percentage of the world's supply at risk. A U.S. duty on Russian and Moroccan phosphate producers means that the nation could have to buy expensive imports from elsewhere. Should Ian devastate Fertilizer Alley to the point that production goes offline for an extended period of time? Up until now, the fertilizer crisis has mostly affected places outside America's borders. That now appears to be changing thanks to Ian. The latest reports reveal that the company evacuated several of its Florida operations in anticipation of Ian's arrival. All facilities 
the claim, company claims were secured before being abandoned due to the storm. The affected facilities are expected to remain closed for at least a week after it passes with an expected revenue decrease between $240 million and $300 million. Ammonia imports from Yara International and CF Industries at Tampa are also expected to slow depending on the storm's aftermath. Think the food crisis is bad now? Just wrote a commentator about the fertilizer crisis which is about to reach new heights, thanks to Ian. All righty. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hear and answer our prayers. Amen. That you hear and answer our prayers. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Marshall, we're ready. You might need to push the button. There we go. Press it again. Is that better? That's better. Okay. Oh, little challenges along the way here, Lord. <clears throat> the devil... Really, he's pretty nasty this time of the year. Not that he's been nice at other times. Father, we come joyfully and boldly before your throne of grace. Thank you for keeping us as the apple of your eye. Your eyes are red with wine. Thank you for sending your son to show us how much you love us. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We're just as if we never sinned because of the blood of Jesus. And from Jesus Christ was the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Thank you, Father, for giving Jesus all power in heaven and earth. Thank you for the privilege of being grafted into the body of Christ because of the blood of the covenant. Thank you for loving us perfectly, Lord. We praise you and bless your holy, holy name, because perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your amazing and extraordinary grace, that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you have the privilege of purifying our hearts by faith as we gaze into your eyes. For in your presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we draw closer and closer to you, we're made nigh by the blood, made nigh by the blood. And we overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. We know how you delivered the Israelites, Lord. You're no respecter of persons. What you've done before, you'll do again. They put the blood as they took part of the Passover lamb. And there was not one feeble person among them. Like it says in Psalm, where is that, Psalm 105, around verse 37 or something? There wasn't one feeble person among them. Well, that isn't what the movie showed. No, but the movie wasn't according to Scripture. The scripture says there was not one feeble person among their tribes. You even brought them out with silver and gold. What was that? Oh, that was their back pay for being slaves for 400 years. It wasn't that they, they uh, did something nasty that they shouldn't have done. You gave them their back pay. You gave them what was due to them, Father God, as you're going to do for those that were kicked out of the U.S. military, the few of them that stood strong, 120,000 plus, that said, no, we're not taking that job. No, these bodies don't belong to you. They belong to Maybe they belonged to them, or they thought, but everything actually belonged to you, Lord, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we thank you, Lord, for your victory. 
And we ask, thank you, Lord, for hearing many, many people praying, the students that are praying, gathering on October 6th tomorrow. And those, there's a group, Father God, several Christians from the alternative uh, news source, including the, what's his name, Michael, I think it is, from Banners for uh, for Freedom, talking about how important it is for people to get together and pray and put up messages to wake up the people. Father, we ask you to wake up the people, that the people like the students, that they want to be filled with more of God. We want to be filled with your life, your light, that your glory will shine forth, Father God, in Jesus' name. We thank you for filling us with yourself, giving us Holy Ghost boldness, Father God, as Pastor Sabrina talked about from Daniel chapter 11. They that do know their God should be strong and do. Help us all. Not just, maybe a little one will lead us, Father God. The students are leading the, some of the older people, Father God. They're standing strong. They're not ashamed. They know it's been a mess, Father God. They know a lot of people have been discouraged and depressed and confused, Father God. But you're not the author of confusion, but of pieces in all the churches of the saints. We ask you to bring peace to the hearts and minds, not just of the students, but all the people that are hearing the negative reports, not just about all the different food plants, even in Paris recently, Father God, and the attack against the fertilizer plant in Florida, which wasn't just an act of nature, quote-unquote, because as Sabrina alluded to, that hurricane didn't just happen to go there by chance, Father God. We know, Father God, some people don't believe that uh, that there is there are people who have machines that can that can cause different pressures on storms to, to direct it, to deflect it, to force it to go one way versus another way and, ho- and hold it in place for a longer period of time so it can dump out more and more water. But we thank you for opening the mouth of the earth to swallow the flood the serpent sent after your people, Father God. We thank you for delivering your people in harm's way, not just those near was at Fort Myers and Tampa, wherever it was, that the, the tremendous amount of flooding, Father God, and those near Naples, Florida. We thank you for delivering your people that are in harm's way, including those not just the U.S. military being forced to take a job whether they can keep their job or not, but the entire U.S. population, according to this thing from Banners for Freedom. And we thank you, Father God, for waking people up, to even having people pray tomorrow. And they're going to have many people talking about it starting at 3 p.m. If anybody's interested and you can remember this or jot it down, go to Cloud Hub and look up five smooth stones. We know what's usually five, uh, not five small stones. It's usually considered five smooth, but it is five small stones. And even as the, uh, Todd Chandler, a, a wonderful lawyer who's standing up for the people in military, has a, a site called VaxChoice.com forward slash initiatives, many people coming to talk about what people can do. And they're going to put up many, many, not just billboards all over the nation, many, many more billboards to help people wake up to find out, oh, you mean there's three states that have already authorized this, that they can go along with the WHO to say, oh, we need to be very afraid and to take people and put them in concentration camps and give them uh, vaccines, so-called vaccines, against their own will. This does not sound like something that the um, the Israelites would want to jump up for. Say, oh yeah, let's go do that. Let's go to the let's go to the let's go to the uh, the camp of the enemy. No, we want to take it back by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We need many, many people, not just uh, not just Pastor Sabrina, not just. What's her name? Dr. Stella Emanuel. She has 40 days of prayer. It's already started, I believe. I don't know. She has a list of many people. People praying in the Spirit. People praying under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Praying your word, Father God, in Jesus' name. 
Even as I'm in agreement with all these irrejudications for every one of these situations, Father God, in Jesus' name, every single one of these situations, even as I prayed earlier today, we thank you, Father God, for hearing our praise reports and prayers, Father God, for Jesus' sake. We thank you, Father God, that for hearing my, my prayers and all the prayers of your saints, Father God, in agreement according to Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Because Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If two of you on earth agree, it's touching anything you ask, it shall be done to my Father which is in heaven. And now this is the God who cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. You're faithful to promise, Father. And we thank you, Father. We do overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And we thank you, Father God, even as I prayed in agreement earlier, with the prayers of your saints, including Laura Ann's prayers, Father God, for not just C, uh, J, R, and L, but all the saints, all those coming into the body of Christ to be fully delivered, fully sozo from all the plans and wiles and schemes of the enemy, not just so-called mandatory injections, ungodly fear, and rejection, spirits of rejection, as kind of about that, about what was her, my sister's name, uh, Claudette talked about having been rejected. I can relate to that, too. Many people have been rejected. Very, very few people have not been rejected, Father God, in Jesus' name. Even as so thank you, Father God, for causing many people to be delivered from every spirit of ungodly fear, Father God. Every spirit of every spirit of some some versions try to call it timidity, but it's not timidity. It's a demon. So we bind you, Satan. We bind the mind binder from our position seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter two, starting at verse four to six. What cut the We're seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Why? Because Jesus purchased us with his own blood. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. And we overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. We love not our lives unto the death. Why? Because our physical life is incidental. It's a vapor. We're here for a little while. But what is our real life? Our real life is Jesus. And he has the power of an endless life. He says, our life, our real life is Jesus in Colossians 3, 4. And Jesus has the power of an endless life. He can never, ever die again. That's catch-22. He died once. He was illegally beat up on by the devil. Right, the devil tried to beat up on him. Demand your will. All these.
a version.